Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the bucket list app, Circa, Roddy Monroe. Roddy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. This this was you've been on my list for a little while, but this was a uh, sort of extremely uh, last minute putting the pieces together to get this. And you're you're normally uh, I'm already jumping ahead, but you're normally in the UK, right? But right now you're even farther uh, across the world from me, right? Well, actually, I live in Canada. Um, I've lived on oh, the east, that's right. yeah. east coast of Canada for the last three years, um, but I was in the UK before. But but yes, that's right. I'm kind of traveling right now. Um, kind of in week two of an eight-week trip from New Zealand and then Australia Whoa. and then Southeast Asia. Yeah, so um, I love traveling, so it's yeah, it's something I've, uh, I'd love to do. There's a, uh, what is it, the the American mind cannot comprehend this, an eight-week vacation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, okay, so before we get into... Uh, you and Circa and everything that you do, uh, I want to give everyone an introduction to who you are yourself. So uh, I always start with the same three questions, which is where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you do? And then we can talk about your career leading up to Circa. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was born and raised in the UK, lived there until uh, August 2020. Um, and then I moved to Canada, uh, New Brunswick, which is the east coast of Canada, just the other side of the border from Maine. Um, and I've been there since. Um, and then uh, I studied computer science at university uh, in the UK. Um, I, When I first graduated, I was actually, I, I worked for a company called Citrix, um, not as an iOS developer, but as a, um, mm. a software test engineer specializing in performance. So uh, writing performance tests with Selenium and Python against their web apps. Selenium, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of fun. But then eventually I was able to um, expand that role to also testing, um, writing performance tests against iOS and Android. So Appium for Android and then was using XEUI tests uh, for iOS. I've actually been doing iOS since I was in what we would call secondary school. So oh, okay. we're coming up on about 10 years now. Instead of studying for my classes, I would actually write quiz apps in Objective-C uh, for my classes. So there's like a government and politics. There was a computing um, app as well, and I put them on the app store. And um, yeah, um, wouldn't recommend it if you need good grades because I didn't do well. Um, <laughs> but it did kickstart the career that I'm, I'm now doing. So um, yeah, it, it, it worked out in the end. It's like the school version of spending all of your time uh, organizing a big Notion database instead of actually yes. doing the work. Uh, yes. Except this one, this one at least had uh, uh, long-term, you know, payoffs. Exactly. Exactly. So you were doing like iOS development kind of as a fun side hobby thing throughout all of this. And you're yep. doing performance testing uh, in your day job. What, yep. what kind of stuff were you performance testing? I guess at first, I don't know what Citrix is, but it, in my head, it sounds close to, uh, uh, what is it? The networking company. C Cisco. Cisco. It sounds like Cisco. So my brain went straight to uh, uh, networking gear. But then you said iOS apps. So you were doing something about, like, what was it that needed 
you know, an engineer dedicated to performance testing? Yeah, so um, Citrix, um, at least when I was working there, their focus was um, desktop and app virtualization. Um, and they'd been switching oh, okay. um, everything to to the cloud um, naturally. And um, essentially, we needed to, um, we had certain like uh, user flows that we would test. So like, for example, time to log in, time to launch a virtual desktop or a virtual app. So initially we were doing just web browser stuff and then uh, eventually we branched out to also iOS and Android because we had an iPad app, we had um, apps for uh, the Samsung tablets as well. Um, and then, yeah, um, that was kind of the main flow that we would do testing for, performance testing, because that's kind of like the initial you know, user journey. We eventually did a few other yeah. things as well. Um, can't remember off the top of my head it's been a few years but so the biggest things were kind of like the sort of initial launch presumably that's where a lot of the sort of bounce was happening from users is in that initial launch i'm guessing exactly yeah all right so you were doing that as your day job and then you were doing ios stuff well even ios performance testing but you're doing performance testing as your day job ios development as a side hobby uh, are you still doing performance testing as your day job or have they morphed closer together or something? Um, no. So I actually left Citrix in uh, 2021 um, in the summer. I moved to a, I got my permanent residency in Canada. So then I, at the same time, I got a job with a Canadian company based in Halifax. Nice. So, and uh, they're a consul- consultancy and I got to be an iOS developer for the first time. And I was there for about a year before moving on to uh, The Score, which is a Canadian uh, sports media company based out of Toronto. Uh, and I've been there, well, I, was, I think I hit a year last week. So uh, I've been in iOS, full-time iOS for about two years, just over two years now. Nice. That's awesome. Was yeah. it, uh, was it, I mean, I'm sure it was nice getting to do the thing that you were doing for fun during your day job. Uh, has it turned what was fun into feeling more like work? Uh, or has it pretty much stayed like, man, it's just nice to be able to have fun doing the thing I enjoy uh, during the eight, eight to five. It, it, there's good days and bad days, honestly. Um, <laughs> it's it, if I'm uh, you know working on new features uh, and, and getting to play with the latest technologies, um, you know, those are good days. But if I'm you know fighting some bugs, then then it's it's less so. Um, but it, at the end of the day. Um, I still find time. I, I kind of indie iOS development is kind of turned into into what I do outside of work. Even though it was before, but now I like. I guess I enjoy it even more. It's kind of my learning opportunity inside work. We have to support older iOS. You get to move faster. You don't have to work with other people. You can yeah. make those maybe not the best business decisions, but the best uh, product decisions. Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it, it, I, I still managed to kind of keep that divide as well. Like nine to five is is pure um, you know, not, uh, work, and then after that is kind of playtime. Yeah, I know. I I'll say it was really one of the most fun things about when I first started doing iOS development was now. Granted, I was learning very early on at that point too, but like there was this sort of feedback cycle where like the thing I would learn that evening after I put the kids down and was working on iOS stuff. Oftentimes I could bring that into what I was doing at work that day. 
And then something I learned at work that day, I could bring into my side thing at the evening. And it kind of created this really cool feedback loop. Granted, that's not the most sustainable thing. And I don't, I don't think that that just carries on through the whole time. But whenever you can get in one of those modes, it's really, those are really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's kind of, that's like the day job. So you've been doing iOS like side stuff throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. Do you have a bunch of apps that you've done uh, leading up to now? Or like what's kind of the story that led up to to Circa itself? Yeah, um, I think from when I was in secondary school to probably when I graduated in 2018. So the first four or five years or so, um, it was very much, my apps were very much uh, quantity over quality. Um, like I had the quiz apps, um, written Objective-C, I knew nothing at that time really about iOS development. So it was really, I was still learning. And then I launched a bunch of other apps, um, really useless apps to anyone but me honestly um nobody downloaded them and that's that's fair enough were they pretty much all free or did you have in-app purchases or paid up front or something all of them were free except for one which was space monkey madness and that that was kind of after i, after <laughs> I, I like finished, the name after i finished secondary school um i had like kind of the summer free before going to university and for my birthday uh, i got a sprite kit by tutorials by ray wendelick and so that summer I made Space Monkey Madness and I uh, put it on the app store and I think I had it just for a dollar or something. Uh, and I got, I earned maybe $5 from it over the course of the first five years, but hey, uh, $5 was a lot, a lot to me as a student back then. Exactly. <laughs> just the idea that somebody would spend actual money on a thing that you made is exciting in its own right. Exactly. Um, uh, I think uh, once I finished university, I then rewrote the app in Swift, uh, put it back on the app store. As it Now it's a free app and it's still there. I've not updated it since 2018. Apple haven't cleaned it up yet. So I feel like it's a matter of time, but that game is still there and it still works nicely on the latest devices, which is good. But since then, I've been kind of focusing more on, on quality over quantity. Um, maybe the first app that I really spent some time into was was plate it um that was kind of a license plate collecting app that i i was do i was a license plate collector at the time as well and so it was an app for what is, me what does that mean so i would collect license plates so like uh oh license okay i'm understanding now yeah um i thought you said licensed plate collector like you were <laughs> licensed by somebody to collect plates and i'm like i don't know what any of this means okay is that is that a thing in the UK too, like here in America, like like my uncle, uh, probably still. I don't remember. I haven't been in his garage in a while, but he had like all these old license plates, like kind of lining his garage uh, walls and stuff. And I see that a lot at restaurants and stuff. Is that a thing in the UK too? A little bit. Um, it's definitely more of a thing in the US and Canada. And mm. since moving to Canada, I've uh, certainly seen many more people. There's like meetups that happen quite regularly. Um, it's not something I, I do anymore. Unfortunately, I kind of moved on from it. Um, but yeah, there, it, it was an app for licensed plate collectors. They could put their plates in. They could put information like what state or province is it from, how much did they pay, maybe a condition. And then they, they could create a wish list as well. Um, and that was kind of my first big, uh, the first app that I did. Well, initially it was a new iKit and then all storyboards and then i followed a sean allen tutorial on how to do um 
to do you know, constraints as code, um, things like mm. that. And so I rewrote the app with that. And then I rewrote it in SwiftUI about a year after SwiftUI initially came out. So Plate Tip was kind of very much the, the first app that I spent a lot of time. It was called Plate Tip? Plate It. Plate It. Ah, yeah. okay, that makes sense. And then that kind of evolved into Classifier, uh, which is on the App Store now, um, where it's essentially the same idea, but it's for any kind of collectible. So not just license plates, coins, yeah. stamps. It comes with a bunch of like pre-configured templates. Um, and then the user can create their own templates as well, where they say, okay, I want to, I, I, this is the information that I care about for this collectible. I kind of joke that you can literally put anything into the app, even your, your kitchen spice collection. Um, uh, it's, it's really versatile. And um, that was the first app that I did in SwiftUI from scratch. And also the first app where I used core data and cloud kit as well. So again, big learning opportunity. With Plateit, was that, you said that was kind of the first big one. So did it like find an audience as specifically for license plate collectors? It did. Um, surprisingly so. Um, I This was actually also where I started to uh, play a little bit with pricing because initially the app was $1 upfront and that, mm. did a, that did well. And then... I was like, okay, this is actually uh, summer 2020, and this is when I started using Revenue Cat, uh, and I was ah, able to do yes. subscriptions. And I was like, okay, I don't have to worry too much about the store kit side of things because that bit always scared me in receipt validation. Yeah. So then I switched it to okay, free to download. You get like a week free trial, and then you pay. I think I had it initially as one dollar every three months and three dollars for a year, that kind of thing, and. I have not looked back since that I've been using, uh, doing that similar model for uh, for all of my apps since. So free to download and then you know, three months, yeah. And then you, there's also a lifetime option as well because some people just hate subscriptions. Yeah. So, okay. So you had a group of people that were using it yeah. uh, as played it. Did you, you said it evolved into classifier. Do you mean that literally? Like you you took the same app and you just changed the name and then expanded it or was that was classifier actually a new app built on the same you know code base or principles or something it was kind of uh, <laughs> forced upon me and this is why i don't do back-end development i uh, plate it was backed by aws uh amplify and it was pretty good um and i was in the middle of kind of doing a, a plate it for web thing uh because people mm. i didn't want to do android but people i didn't people wanted to use it outside of an iPhone. So I was yeah. kind of experimenting with releasing like a web app. Um, long story short, the, the, the back end got deleted. Oh no. I know. Uh, it was, it was pretty terrifying at the time. By the provider or like, like it how was kind happen? of a mix. Um, so I was, I'd created a, a, a plate it web app and then I hooked it up with the, the plate it back end. I'd made a mistake in configuring the front end. So I deleted the front end. But without even warning me, it deleted the back end as well. Oh my goodness. And I reported it to the to AWS. And if you if you try and do the same thing now, it will warn you. Um I don't know whether it's about yeah. out the back of what I, I I experienced. But yeah, that's what happened. And I mean I had backups and things, but um still terrifying though. Anything with user data, especially something where that's the whole point of the app. 
Exactly. Uh, it's a bit terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So that I had backups and because the license plate collecting community is fairly small and a lot of them are contained within um, like a few Facebook groups, I was able to send the the backups um, in the form of CSV files to each person. And then when I created wow. Classifier, um, they were then able to import those CSV files and it would load everything yeah. back up. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of forced into it, but at, I'd been wanting to do what classifier is for a while. A lot of people have said, oh, I wish I had, um, you know, plate it for stamps or um, coins or, or whatever. Um, so in hindsight, you know, I'm, I'm glad it happened. It was a good <laughs> thing. Um, and then also for those folks that had been paying for plate it, you know, I, I grandfathered them in um, manually with classifier as well. So... Yeah, I was going to ask about that. So, okay, so Played It existed. You had the big event happen. <laughs> That's not great. Did you pull it from the store when that happened? The first thing I did um, was I um, I pulled it off the store so nobody else could download the app. Um, right. That was the, the important thing. But existing users could keep it on their phone after that, I guess? Yeah, they could keep it on their phone. Um there was some caching logic, so they could still like view their collections, but they couldn't add anything. They couldn't update. They couldn't delete. Basically, all um, there was, it wasn't local. Yeah. So, um, and there was also a way for them to save things as well themselves. But I, um, I'd use the backups as well. I, I, I kind of knew most of the users personally just through the like, various collecting groups. So I was able to to reach out and say, "Hey, uh, yeah, I'm sorry this happened. Here's your backup." Um, I'll let you know when I have something else going, um, which became classifier about three months later, man. And so then you had to manually like give each one of them a promotion for, for classifier. Exactly. But it was a small enough group and you knew who they were that you could do that because you weren't, I, well, or were you collecting email addresses at the time? Did you have that? A mix, yeah. So I, I had email addresses just because of uh, with Amplify, you can uh, with Cognito as well. So I was able to kind of uh, correlate, you know, username, email, and then email to Facebook name. Typically, um, a lot of yeah. them I kind of knew through Facebook and stuff. So I mean, like the, the user group here is like less than less than two hundred people um, who are actively using the app at the time, right? So it. It was. It felt like a big task at the time, but like you know, in terms of app sizes, it was actually fairly fairly small. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's still a big. You know, that's a lot of people, uh, mm-hmm. especially for a side hustle kind of thing. Yeah, it's just it was a stressful weekend. I, <laughs> I imagine so. All right, so now you have Classifier going. Yeah, you launched that. You you know, grandfather those people in, but then Classifier Classifier itself was obviously that's a much more broad appeal thing. Did that bear out in kind of the users? Were you getting more people uh, maybe outside of your groups of people that you knew? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Classifier has has grown to um, a lot larger than I expected it to in the beginning. Um, I don't really have to push the app anymore in like um, you know, various collecting circles. You know, it's not just me in the mm. license plate group now. You know, I have to kind of appeal to collectors of anything um but now it seems to have enough traction that there's there's enough people discovering it whether it's through word of mouth 
um, or through other means, whether it's just searching in the app store. So yeah, it's it's grown it's grown well, and again, I, I've been using subscriptions as well, and it's 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 turned into a nice kind of like income on the side. That's awesome. Okay, so classifier is going, and that's still going today, right? Yeah. And then, what was your next project? As the aforementioned, uh, I'm not as prepared as normal. I'm. I know I've been following you, so I'm pretty sure there's another app in between that and Seca, but I can't remember now. There is, and it's fairly niche. Um, okay. So this is kind of started as a in the middle of lockdown kind of project, and also learning Swift UI as well. Um, so my wife is a ceramic artist, so she has. Um, she makes pots and she has her ceramic studio and ah. there's lots of different aspects to it. Um, so ceramic space was essentially uh, something that she felt that she needed. And um, a lot of my ideas, I'm very, I'm not, I'm not great with ideas. A lot of my ideas come from my wife. <laughs> so we, I mean, I guess now that you say that I, I can't, I can't laugh because Dark Noise literally was an app built specifically for my wife. And then my other app uh, that's had any sort of traction was an app specifically built for my wife as a teacher. So yeah. I guess I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she um, she wanted an app that uh, did a few things, such as storing her glazed recipes, which she had written on pieces of paper throughout many books that she'd accumulated through college. An app to calculate kiln firing schedules that typically you do by hand uh, to work out how long the firing is going to take oh. and uh, how long it's going to take to get from X temperature to Y temperature. She wanted an app that could help manage uh, her raw material inventory. So for to make glazes for your pots, you need like various raw materials. And so it's good to keep inventory of that. And then and also, also a way to keep track of the kiln firings because as you use a kiln, it requires regular maintenance. And so you need to be able to track, okay, this is how many firings I've done. Ah, uh, yeah. This is when I did maintenance. And and also uh, an app that kind of works out roughly how much it costs to fire the kiln. Uh, because for business expenses, especially if you're running the kiln at home, you need to kind of have an understanding of how much you're spending on firing the kiln. Right. So you can like amortize that correctly. Yeah, so Ceramospace kind of collects all of that into one app, and it's, it's kind of an all-in-one app for uh, ceramic artists, and doesn't get many downloads, but within the ceramics community, and I've been able to kind of join Facebook groups, and my wife helps out a little bit too, we, um, we've got a fair, a, a small community who use it, and they provide regular feedback. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's been nice. Kind of having my wife is like the the alpha tester. Uh, she yeah, she she every new feature goes through her. Won't hesitate. <laughs> yeah, and she's happy to to help me out with that. So that's kind of what happened in between classifier and ceramic space, and that 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 took a long time to get out. Uh, we kind of started it, and then we got married and moved countries, so it kind of paused. There's a little bit going on. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, and then we um. And then we picked it up again and we, I think we launched it about 18 months ago now. I mean, it's it, you describing it, it sounds kind of intense. Like it's got a calculator, uh, inventory <laughs> management, uh, scheduler, kind of all this stuff built together. Man, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So you have that going. So there's two apps kind of in flight, you know, at the same time. 
in terms of being used by people. And then, yeah. and now we're getting into, into Circa, which yes. <laughs> before we keep going, <laughs> I'm saying it weird because I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, but can you pronounce it correctly and then explain how it's pronounced? Like yes. why it's pronounced that way? So it's pronounced Circa and it's a Swedish circa. word to mean to search for or to seek. Um, and the reason why it's it's not pronounced Soka, as, as some people like to say, is because there's an umlaut. That's definitely how I've been saying it in my head. <laughs> Lots of people say it that way. You'd be surprised. And I don't mind it too much. Um, but the reason why it's pronounced Soka is because the O has an umlaut, which kind of gives it that that uh sound. I probably wouldn't know how to pronounce it, but I studied German in secondary school. So I, I kind of uh, have yeah. that understanding of the, the pronunciations of those those characters. Cool. And so that means to search for, you said in Swedish? Yes. All right. So what's the pitch on it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get better at this. I don't know how many episodes in a row I've gone where we're deep into it. And I realize we never described the app. So I'm going to let you describe the app first and then we'll get to the origin. If you're planning to go somewhere, let's say before I came, I'm in New Zealand right now. If before I came to New Zealand, I wanted to search for activities. I could spend hours scrolling through Instagram, Pinterest, TripAdvisor. <laughs> it's all well and good. Um, but Circa, you can enter a location. You can enter the kind of activities that you want, whether it's budget-friendly, hidden gems, adventure, etc. And the and Circa will generate a complete bucket list for your location uh, with various activities meeting your requirements that you can then choose to add in the app. Circa, you can also uh, create your bucket lists manually as well. And yeah, um, again, this came from my wife. She had been trying lots of bucket list apps. They were either littered with ads or they were, you could tell they were cross-platform and they didn't <laughs> work very well. So she asked me to, to make a bucket list app. So that's a that, category? Bucket list apps is a category? There's lots of bucket lists app out there. It's kind of a niche market. Um, but Circa, uh, as far as I'm aware, was the first iOS app that had um, AI integrations. When I say AI, chat GPT under the hood. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was kind of, a, it, that was kind of the feature that, that set the Circa apart from, from some of its competitors. And so your your wife was looking for something like this, wasn't finding anything she really loved. And that's, you know, light bulb goes off in one of your heads or both of your heads. And it's like, oh, maybe there's something I could do here. Yeah. What was the immediate thought like, oh, just chat GPT things blowing up. These two things make sense together. Or did you kind of back into that? It's, yeah, it's, it was kind of a combination. She wanted a bucket list app. I've been itching to do something with, with ChatGPT or uh, OpenAI. So um, that kind of light bulb moment happened back in March. And that was when I was like, oh, these two could work well together. And so we, we started kind of brainstorming and arrived at, at, at where we're at right now. Okay. So what was the what was the sort of design development process getting there? Because I, I can say, like, if you haven't played with it, you know, people uh, listening it's definitely worth downloading and like just creating a list or two just to kind of get an idea, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a lot of the AI, the AI features that have been sort of slammed into uh, lots of things or the chat GPT apps that are literally just a chat bot. Yeah. Um, it feels like almost everything else I've ever used that have the current label of AI. Uh, it's like you input text and then you get some sort of text out. 
Like that's kind of the game. And this one feels a lot more like it's just a part of the experience. And aside from the fact that it probably helps downloads to slap AI on there, you could not include that. And it would like, it's, it's all in service of the actual goal, which is, I just want some ideas for what to do on this trip. And it, it feels a lot more cohesive in that way. So like, how did you get to that point? Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, the goal was to not make it feel just like a chat bot, for example. Um, yeah. The nice thing with chat GPT is when you, um, you can actually ask it to return uh, responses in a certain format. So I could go away and say, hey, return this to me as JSON, and it will. And so then with it being just a simple JSON object, I can then you know, just parse that into my into my models and then show it however I like. Um, and so as a result, I can, it's not just a, like a, a, a chat uh, it, I can show a long-winded like, paragraph yeah. explaining, you know, yeah, because that that's how a lot of them, a lot of those apps they do, they kind of have a feel of like those auto-generated Google search results uh, yeah. <laughs> that you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, like there's so much words here to get to the actual content. Yeah, um, but Soka, yeah, it doesn't feel like that at all, and that's because you're getting structured data out of ChatGPT then. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it does a really good job of actually sticking to the to the format that that you ask it to um, as well. So if I could say, hey, give me a bucket list um, for this place and make sure it's in uh, this uh, this JSON structure. And it works well, um, which is which is good because if I don't get the expected JSON back, you know, my decoding the JSON in Swift is, is going to fail. So um, yeah, it's quite impressive that it, it's able to to stick to the uh, to the, the structure that you give it. This episode of Launched is brought to you by Calibri, the vector design tool that exports native SwiftUI code. If you know me, you know I love apps with fun, delightful animations. But building these completely in code can be a huge hassle, and a lot of the tools for building more complex animations require bringing in a third party library into your app to run them. This is where Calibri shines. Calibri is an app for Mac, iPad, and iPhone that allows you to build custom vector designs or import SVGs from tools like Sketch or Figma. Once you have your design, you can flip over to the animation mode and either use their super simple predefined animations or completely build your own custom animations. Then you can output these animations as native SwiftUI code that you can add into your apps. No third-party libraries required. The latest release even allows you to pull in and animate Apple's growing list of SF symbols to make high-quality designs and animations even easier. And these aren't web apps. These apps are 100% native. On the Mac, it's currently using Catalyst, but the developer gave me a sneak preview of a rebuilt, fully Mac-native version that's coming soon. And you can check it out today. Go to the App Store and search Calibri for SwiftUI. That's K-O-L-I-B-R-I for SwiftUI in the App Store today. Thank you to Calibri for supporting this episode of Launched. Okay, so we've already talked about business models. Uh, you you kind of jumped on the subscriptions have worked well for you in the past. So I'm guessing you just kind of went straight to that. You didn't even really think too much of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I first launched the app, it was... Um, I'm actually doing a one-month and then a 12-month thing, which has been working well. The majority go for the 12 months. Can you explain what that... What do you mean by that? Uh, so yeah, it's just a recurring subscription, uh, one month. So it's uh, there's a one month recurring subscription. There's then there's the annual one, 
uh, and that's what I launched with. Ah, uh, like there's two options people can choose. Exactly. Between. Um, and then uh, I got the usual, uh, oh, I hate subscription, this is a lifetime option. So then yeah. I ended up adding that kind of two or three weeks after uh, after initially launching. And yeah, it, it, it works well. Um, it's It's kind of just... When it comes to that kind of thing, I, I very much lean on my past experience with, okay, what are people willing to pay trying to find that sweet spot? And I think the initial pricing that I came up with was, it seems like a sweet spot already, but I'm still trying to play playing around with one month and three months, uh, which yeah. one works best. Yeah, because it's kind of tricky with this. So like Classifier and Ceramispace are both sort of lifestyle apps right like you you know you kind of buy in and you're in the system and this is your thing whereas this one is a lot more like obviously the travel industry is massive and big but it's extremely spiky right in terms of an individual users business especially so it feels like it might be a little different in terms of like like you might have to play more like you're talking about doing with you know, how many people are going to really only want this for a month <laughs> because they have a vacation in a month and then they don't care about it after that. Yeah. But then maybe a year later when they're planning their next vacation, they will or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the the thing that I've tried to do and maybe I'm not doing such a good job of is that, you know, Circa is not just for travel bucket lists. You can do uh, other kinds of bucket lists too. So my wife has mm. almost like a reading bucket list um for me i have an in oh, indie yeah. dev bucket list uh actually appearing on launched was one of the items on this bucket list so oh man ah oh, so you get to check off a box uh after this yeah exactly and then the other things is like you know get featured on the app store that kind of thing that's a good idea yeah i you know what is my biggest <laughs> this is going to sound really weird but one of <laughs> i have like a sort of personal bucket list of uh which i don't have in the app and i should now that you're saying this Things that indie developers complain about that each time I've gotten one, I kind of feel like more legit, if that makes sense. <laughs> so like the first like app rejection, right? Yeah. Uh, or uh, I'm trying to think of another example. But the one that's still... I've had some friends go through this and I'm always jealous, even though they're obviously frustrated or complaining, uh, which is like a clone app. Like somebody just straight up cloning me in either Android or iOS. I, I think it's less likely because my app category is just absolutely loaded with lots of apps and apps that are way bigger than mine. So maybe I'll never get to that with, with dark noise specifically, but uh, it's like this funny, I have this funny bucket list of like experiences that indie devs complain about uh, going through that. I want to like also have be part of that story, you know, that's, that's hilarious. I think, I think that's something that I need to, to create as well. Yeah. <laughs> Have, has there been any uh, Sika, uh clones out there yet? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will admit I sometimes go to the Play Store and uh, search for, you know, uh, dark sounds or dark, you know, things that are very close to the same as mine and hope to see a very, very similar looking purple icon. But uh, I've not yet found one. <laughs> so you have this app that you built up and then, you know, you figured out, oh, uh, before we get to the actual launch. So this isn't, it's not uh, a hard paywall, right? There is a like free tier of some sort, right? How do you, how, how do you like manage that? Cause it's kind of difficult with this one, right? Because you actually have, you actually have costs related to using uh, the chat GPT API, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So um, with with Circa, when you download the app, um, without starting any free trials, uh, you get three bucket lists, you get 30 goals that you can add, but you can also use the the AI feature five times. Um, okay. So that kind of give, hopefully gives everybody enough time to kind of have a little play around, evaluate whether it's, you know, giving the results that they're expecting um, before committing. And that's, that's a fairly, it's a fairly low cost you know, to make uh, some of these, most of these requests, it, it, it's like a fraction of a penny. So it's, okay. it's very low overhead for those free users. Um, so five is kind of like a, a sweet spot. So it's just enough time for them to, to play around without, you know, causing me, uh, a very, giving me a very big bill. Yeah, exactly. I guess the only danger, which is like, it's in that category of good problems to have, but like, yes, if it ever went, you know, viral or something, you'd have that short term time period, like, uh, David Smith with widget Smith when, <laughs> He had, uh, I think his free tier, although that was an accident, but he had like weather data that was being pulled in and all of a sudden he's incurring, you know, these insane costs uh, really quick. But that's an incredibly rare problem uh, to have. And if you do have that problem, that's not the worst thing in the world uh, to have to go through. So, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So, all right. So you have that all, you have the app built, you have a business model figured out, and then you get to the actual launch. How, how did that launch go? Did you do, uh like marketing leading into it were you kind of following the same playbook as your other apps like what's the story there yeah i've i my my marketing hat uh is is not something i wear well and it's something i'm trying to improve on so i launched the friday before wwdc now if you're looking for any kind of like attention in the press don't do that <laughs> wait <laughs> wait for a quiet period which is kind of typically you know now until early next year kind of thing or yeah jumping ahead a little bit I, now that you say that i max stories uh did write about it and i think yeah. like the opening paragraph was something like yeah i got this thing uh before i had a bunch of travel and i didn't have time to look at it and, but i'm glad i finally did uh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think I got picked up by, um, the app got picked up by iDownloadBlog um, as part of like okay. a five apps you should try this weekend kind of thing, um, which was nice. And the, the launch, given I didn't really have much press coverage, the launch went fairly well, a few hundred downloads and uh, you know, free, free trials and subscriptions, but it kind of died down after that. I A lot of it was pushing the app through my own social media channels, Mastodon, mm. uh, Instagram. I also, for the first time, because the app wasn't really niche, I was able to push it through my personal Facebook as well. Um, so I had like, oh, yeah. friends and family resharing, which is really good, which I wouldn't really have gotten, I don't think, with Classifier and Ceramispace. So that worked out well. And then what else did I do? Ah, oh, um, for the first time, I also start kind of reaching out to travel influencers and 95 percent of them didn't get back to me which is fine they probably the biggest influencers probably get a lot but i did get uh, a couple of responses from folks on tiktok and so i paid them like less than a hundred dollars and they created a tiktok about circa and showcasing the features and and why they love it and 
those got a few like one of them got 50,000 views on TikTok which is pretty good and that that did quite well in terms of uh, uh bringing new users to the app yeah i was curious about that like did you uh did you have a like a special link for attribution or something like how did you measure that or was it just seeing if there was a a spike on the day that it went out or something it was yeah literally just seeing a spike um the views it wasn't like a big spike on day one it was the views came in over the course of about two weeks but there was kind of a noticeable jump Mm. and it kind of you know maintained uh throughout the course of that two weeks and then Afterwards, I mean, there were quite a few free trials came in. Uh, a good number of those uh, turned into paid subscriptions as well. Yeah, as, again, that's something I need to get better at. Is you know, att- attributing um, you know, downloads to particular yeah. marketing campaigns. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it provided a nice jump, kind of end of end of June, early July, um, and. Yeah, so it's certainly something that I'm I'm trying to continue to do uh, with very very degrees of success. Yeah, it's I mean probably a lot of people listening are in a similar boat where it's <laughs> like um, a lot of people I talk to are in a similar boat anyway. Where it's like we all know that you know Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, obviously Twitter. Like uh, people are familiar with the sort of language of microblogging platforms, whatever that is by the time this episode goes out. Twitter, Threads, uh, Mastodon. But like these other platforms are a little more foreign to us as far as us engaging in them and how do apps, you know, work in there. But like the big apps or even the small but like uh, businessy apps or whatever, you know, where it's like a company that runs it, they're all obviously doing this all over the place. So it (laughs) works. It's just figuring out how does it work? Does it work for indies? Is it, you know, what does that model look like? Um, it's, it's a little less clear and I think we're all a little less comfortable playing around in it, but I think it's definitely worth trying to figure out. Cause yeah, people yeah. respond to video and especially with something, I know it's not sp- just travel, but like the obvious clear go to market strategy for a bucket list is something travel related. And that is a place that people go to these, you know, short form <laughs> video platforms for. Um, yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I'd be curious to know of other apps because all the apps in our community that I feel like that we, that I know of that have had success there, it was sort of accidental success, right? Yeah. Like some famous person uh, talked about my thing and then it brought me, you know, millions of downloads or something, but that's different than, I'm going to go out and pay somebody to do it. And like, that's, there's a lot of work to figuring all that out. There is. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly rough. Cause you don't, you don't always get responses from the people that you hope to get responses from. Um, yeah. So, but what we've been doing, you know, we're, we're traveling right now. And so my wife's kind of big on Instagram. She has her ceramics business. So she knows she's kind of getting a feel for like the, you know, the Instagram algorithm and, what helps to get your your posts higher up in people's feeds um so we've actually been running a travel account instagram account where we're interacting with other travelers and we're sharing our experiences while we're traveling and so at the same time we're able to promote circa through those channels as well yeah 
And what's really nice is because we're building these relationships with other travelers, um, we can kind of say, hey, you know, we've we built this app. Can you maybe give it a go? Maybe you could share something on your stories or create a reel about it. And it's still kind of early stage, but we're yeah, very much trying to, to trying to build those relationships. Um, so we can kind of almost get like free marketing as well. Yeah. Well, cause organic I mean, honestly, it's one of the things that about like being an iOS developer who's actively engaged in the what's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiast Apple scene, right? Not just developers, but like <laughs> all the podcasters, the relay FMs, all that kind of stuff. If you're engaged in that community, it's more likely that those people are going to mention you at some point on their podcast blog, what have you. Yeah. And if your app works with that group, those organic organically brought up things perform just unbelievably better than sure. a paid advertisement. And I would imagine that the same thing would apply for uh, other platforms, other mediums as well. So like, you know, a paid sponsorship of a travel blogger probably, you know, can have some influence, can move some numbers or whatever. But if the person brings it up organically, they're kind of putting a little bit of their like organic or their uh, endorsement on it. That's a lot stronger. Like, hey, this isn't just somebody paying me. This is a thing I actually do like, and those can be way more effective. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. People, it's it's one of those weird things where it's like probably everybody or most normal people are uncomfortable in social media worlds, except for the ones that they know well, right? Uh-huh. Um, for you. Obviously, there's the iOS community, but there's also like the collector kind of community that you were part of. Mm-hmm. Um, but branching out to something that maybe makes more sense for your apps demographic can be really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is something I struggle with, and certainly with the the ceramic based side of things as well. I kind of let my my wife deal with those kinds of things. You know, she's in those communities already, so she's she has a reputation reputation so she's able to yeah. to share those things and and people will trust her whether rather than me you know randomly appearing and say hey download my app you know it's 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 a lot more effective coming from my wife than than me for sure yeah exactly cool okay so uh so we talked about kind of the lead up to it well we talked about the launch uh-huh. uh the not necessarily a lot of press but it does from my perspective, at least, it seems like you did get a decent amount of press at some point. Am I imagining that? Or it wasn't until the the Mac Stories article that came out. I think it was early August. So that was that was huge because that's it's not just like a footnote in like you know ten apps to try kind of thing. Yeah. It's like this was like a full blown like you know the the author literally wrote used the app. They've taken their own screenshots. You know, they they it was, it was a full on huge post, and it was John Voorhees, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. And that really, like, you know, took me took me by surprise because, you know, I I hadn't contacted him since since just before the launch, and from most people, it was kind of radio silence. Um, so, I, and I wasn't releasing a big update at the time as well, so, um. Yeah, pleasant surprise. I think the only other press I've got was um, I got a little bit with iOS 17 
because I mm. added some interactive widgets. So I, in, in terms of the, the big uh, articles that have, here's some apps that have interactive widgets. I think there's one on TechCrunch and one on 9to5Mac as well, which is, again, outlets I've never been featured by. So it was good to to kind of be noticed and included on those. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the authors are now aware of the app. So um kind of hoping that, you know, next time I come out with a big update, you know, maybe maybe they'll they'll write something about it. Um but yeah, that, other than that, that's that's really been it for for circa um about four months since launch now. So what's your what's your thinking of it going forward? Is it is it something like you have three apps kind of in your arsenal right now. Mm-hmm. Is is this one kind of where a lot of your energy and focus and excitement is around or are they kind of, all right, now it's in the stable of apps that I'm going to kind of play with and do things with going forward. So yeah, Circa has very much been my, uh, had the majority of my attention the last seven months since I started developing it. Um, and I haven't really found the motivation really to work on classifier and ceramic space aside from a few like bug fixed, uh, updates. Um, I think once we finish traveling, maybe uh, my I'll be spending more time on on the other apps again. Um, but yeah, right now, just because we've been looking forward to traveling, and now we are traveling, we're we're really my excitement has been in this area naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hope, I'm hoping to get circa to a point um, where it's you know it's stable, um, it's easy to build features on. Um, release it on other platforms such as potentially Vision OS in the future. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully uh, it'll probably be a case of where I kind of cycle between each app. So I spend maybe a couple of weeks on Classifier, a couple of weeks on Ceramispace, a couple on Circa. Um, kind of yet to really discover that yet, but maybe, maybe you know, as I get home from the traveling and uh, settle down for the winter, the long cold canadian winter um uh, i'm hoping to find that rhythm again yeah i'm always i'm always curious about how people handle that because i have a lot of side hustle hobby things going at once but they're all like kind of different like the podcast is very different from the app right in terms of uh the time requirement and what kind of mind space i have to be in but even then it's hard to kind of manage, you know, these multiple things going at once. And so having multiple apps that are kind of similar in terms of brain power and what they take, I'm always curious how people can handle that. Sounds like you, you're curious as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before I wrap up, I'm going to ask you the question. Uh, I ask everybody to wrap up the show, which is what is a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? Cool. Um, so, my first uh, is Chris Wu. Uh, like he goes by Museum ah, yeah. Shuffle on most uh, on, on Mastodon these days. Um, I think Chris was one of my first friends in the iOS community. This is that 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 first virtual WWDC, and we've kept in close touch since. Another who I believe was a guest of yours uh, a few months ago, Chris Faselli, uh, who yeah. Again, one of my first iOS friends, and we got to hang out a bit at, at Deep Dish Swift. Um, so, yeah, both both great people and worth worth following on on the various social media platforms these days. 
Yeah, I know. It's so hard to say. Like, like for example, whenever I put the Chris's uh, in the show notes, it's like, it's going to be this game of like, all right, so is this person mostly on Mastodon now? Like, which one would they prefer me link to? And I'll like go through all their channels and see which one they post to more often. I think way too much about it. But you also, you know, you want to point people to the right place or where this person would prefer. But man, I... I'm just hoping for a day when, uh, you know, we can collapse back into a more, yeah. this is the place, but maybe those days are gone forever and, uh, you know, we won't have that. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see, I guess. At least some people have personal websites. Yes. Uh, I, I set up, actually, uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, I think the previous episode will be the first one that has it. Actually, as we record, it came out this morning, but I, I finally re-recorded the ending because I was like, how do I say where to send people? And so I just bought the domain charliemchapman.me and I built a little single page website that looks almost exactly like the Twitter profile page, like the way my picture shows and everything. And it literally just has links to the different social media things with a copy button next to the name because Mastodon's a pain Yeah, uh, to like try. So I can at least say one thing to send people to. But man, yeah, it's kind of, we're kind of in a nightmare situation right now. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Maybe uh, once Threads is, uh, I'm hoping that like the folks who are on Threads will be able to access from the other Mastodon instances soon. Yeah, I don't know that's how, the dream. How far down the road that is, but that would be nice because I think a lot of, there's a lot of folks that are kind of fractured between the two right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if they can get their European Union stuff figured out so that it's opened up to Europe, that would help a lot too. But yes, that's I don't true. know. By the time this episode comes out, there will be a new one, and that's what everybody will be on. And I will be a sucker who's trying to get my handle there too because I can't help it. Yeah, but uh, you know, this this is where we're at. <laughs> if this is our biggest problem, so I guess we live pretty uh, privileged lives, so can't complain too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, especially for being super flexible and joining me uh while you're on while you're on vacation across the world yeah no worries thanks for having me I've, it, it was great fun awesome all right where can people find you and your work um so i'm most active on mastodon uh so i'm podo monroe at ios dev dot space um i guess i also have an account on threads again podo monroe so i might i might might post there might not but yeah, and then also I also have a um, uh, an indie dev diary that I release every month or so, um, roddymunro.substack.com, so worth checking that out as well. Oh, I didn't know about this. Well, that's, uh, that's really awesome. Okay, yeah. I will subscribe to that. Sweet. All right, thanks again uh, for joining me. This was really fun. Yes, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter, Mastodon, Threads, or whatever the social media app of the day is at charliemchapman.me. We'd really appreciate a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com. Launched FM.